What's up, NBA fans? We are through the conference finals with the Nuggets prevailing over the LA Lakers and the Boston Celtics not being able to bring home the historical bullet point that they would be the first team to come back down 3-0 in a not very exciting game seven where the Miami Heat just went in their full confidence, uh, played with passion, and Caleb Martin arose his star in a and a huge victory for them to get themselves over to Denver. They're making no stops back home. They are going straight from Boston to 5,000 feet in altitude in Denver, Colorado to take on the Denver Nuggets in a few days for the NBA Finals. It was an exciting playoff run. I did not think Miami was going to be the team. If you would have told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have been like, okay, Maybe, you know, there's always a surprise or there's always potential for a surprise. But if you would have told me that in December, November, January, in the middle of this season, I would have said no way. And there's a specific reason for that. And that's the trivia question here, Sean. But before we dive into that, you know, it's been a while since we've recorded. We've missed a few podcast episodes due to wedding, honeymoon from my side. Um, but we're back here to break down the conference finals and as well as talk about the NBA finals. Um, but prior to all that, Sean, how, how was this playoff run for you so far? Man, it, it's crazy seeing the results. And it's kind of crazy with these two teams being the finals teams. Because like you said, I don't think anyone saw this coming. And even going mm. into these series, we're like, man, if the Nuggets and Heat win, this is going to be terrible for NBA ratings. <laughs> like, this is going to be one of the <laughs> least watched finals ever. And I think I still stand by that. <laughs> but I am shocked that it actually happened. I know you're shocked. And man, mm -hmm. I, you're going to have to eat a little more crow during this entire <laughs> podcast because of all the crap you've given Miami throughout this entire season you've called them yeah. trash on multiple occasions <laughs> you gave them zero percent chance to even beat the chicago bulls in the playing yeah. game to even make yeah. the playoffs so they did lose their first playing game. yeah and then first. after that you gave them no chance to even beat the bulls <laughs> and here they are in the nba finals it's kind of poetic it's kind of incredible and at the same time <laughs> I mean, this is just, this is bonkers, man. This is March Madness level crazy. This doesn't happen yeah. in seven game series. I need, they need a, I need a full blown investigation by the NBA <laughs> to make sure that all those guys wearing the heat jerseys are in fact the guys who put on the heat jerseys <laughs> at the start of this season. Yeah. Because they also didn't make any huge moves at the trade deadline other than picking up Kevin Love. Who doesn't even play so, this series, really. Who didn't even play in the series. <laughs> yeah. And Somehow they found these, like, I got to make, is that the real Caleb Martin? Was that the real yeah. one that started this year off? Or is this some guy they picked up <laughs> off the side of the road? Yeah. This, in one of their random road I mean, trips? this is unbelievable, man. I mean, we've, we've seen guys be able to step up in the past, but I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like game seven, Caleb Martin. Mm -hmm. This guy, I, I, I was stunned. He was playing to. like a man possessed in the biggest game of his career, the biggest game of a lot of these Heat players' careers. Granted, you know, they made the finals in the bubble year, but this is different, man. You got an entire crowd now 
apart from the bubble or they didn't have anybody in the stands this is a whole different atmosphere you're on oh, the yeah. road you're, you know you're in the biggest game of your life with all the pressure on you not to give up a 3-0 lead not to be part on the bad side of history and Kayla Martin just said I don't give a crap man like I'm, I'm just gonna come out, come out here and hoop and yeah, he just he couldn't cooked. miss he could not mm-hmm. miss it was unbelievable I also want to say this about that performance or just the whole heat is that they went in there and did it in Boston and a road game in Boston is not a road game in Sacramento <laughs> in Denver where you have opponent fans sprinkled in there and you can mm-hmm. actually hear them in the broadcast. Like there's times in that Denver series where you could hear Lakers oh, yeah. <laughs> cheering when the Lakers scored. Same thing with, I mean, Sacramento to their, to their credit, they were, they came out. They did, but, but, but like, like there were Warriors fans in those stands too. Oh yeah. Yeah. But the, but Boston, like oof, that, that's a, that's a city that loves their team. Obviously one of the most successful franchises in the NBA and they've had that stadium forever. So there's only been one other man that I've seen win in that, win in that stadium like that. And that's LeBron James mm. uh, game six <laughs> when he was in Miami game seven as a Cleveland Cavalier in 2018. Yeah. And, and those took just, you know, career games from him to, to pull off those wins. So it's no easy feat for a guy like Caleb Martin or the Miami heat to go in there and do what they did. But, you know, we'll deep dive into all of that. But before we do that, I, I definitely want to put context into why, I never believed in this team, you know? <laughs> and and yes, they were they were good. They made their run the last few years, but they looked bad this year. They did. And here and, <laughs> and there are some numbers to back this up. So here's the trivia question for you, Sean. Mm. The Heat in the playoffs, uh, right now, as we speak, the, at the end of that series, they are fifth in offensive rating in all the playoffs, fifth in defensive rating. But Solid. what were those rankings? In the regular season and, you know, a, a range of two to three numbers off is, is fine, obviously, because now we're talking about all 30, 30 teams here. Yeah. But what was their ranking in the regular season offensive rating uh-huh. for the Miami Heat? OK, I mean, I got to think it's at least in like the bottom 15, because I mean, they did finish as the eighth seed. They were probably around the average as far as NBA records go. I don't think they really had anything offensively. So I'm actually, I'm going to say that they are 22nd offensively and I'll say they're 15th defensively. You're pretty close. 25th Ooh. in offensive wow. rating. <laughs> I mean, we're talking down there with the Hornets, yeah. the Rockets, you know, they yeah. could not buy wow. buckets in the regular <laughs> season. This is with a healthy Tyler Harrow too. And this whole playoff run, has been without him. Maybe that's uh, a thing, though. Maybe they're better without him. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. That's a thing, though. Yep. Uh, an offensive rating in the playoffs, their number is 116 points per 100 possessions. In the regular season, it was 113. And to make that even more impressive, the fact that it went up during the playoffs is pretty impressive because yeah. actually in the playoffs, the core number goes down possessions mm-hmm. are smaller possessions game yeah. slows down defense, More defense. Is generally better mm-hmm. so for it to have actually gone up by three points is pretty significant yeah uh defensive rating you were close but they're actually better than that they're ninth oh. out of 30 so oh this is pretty good yeah so they were pretty good defensively so that's really the core of how they were managed to get their way into the eight seed defensive rating of 113 and again, in the playoffs, that number improved to down to 111. So 
is this the same team? This is not even close to being the same <laughs> team. It's the same names, but they have somehow figured something out. And it all happened after they beat the Chicago Bulls or maybe after game two against Milwaukee. But same names, but just a different team. And the num- yeah. these general numbers, I think, tell that story here. I mean, uh, I'll say part part of it is uh, Caleb Martin wasn't a big part of the regular season, right? <laughs> That's true. That yeah. is true. He's played on a much bigger role. I I mean, you look at what else are the factors here, right? I mean... Gosh, it's so hard to put what is actually correlated and what's actually a causation of what's happening here. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Tyler Harrow has been injured this entire time. That does provide a lot of shots for a lot of guys that are very efficient shooters. You know, when you play good team basketball and you're passing the ball around and it doesn't just stick with one guy. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens a little bit when Tyler Harrow is playing is it gets he's kind of a black hole in that way and that he just sucks in a lot of offensive possessions into an iso ball um so maybe that's part of it too um so a little bit more caleb martin a lot less tyler harrow a lot more spolstra chess matches against these coaches Mm -hmm. i mean stepping it up for the playoffs i mean it is a thing and they're just doing it to the highest degree i've ever seen i don't think yep I've ever seen a team play that mediocre, like sandbag the entire regular season, essentially, and then just come out and be the best team in the East. That it's actually doesn't make any sense. And you, you can't make any excuses. You can't say, oh, well, you know, like the buck Giannis was hurt. Well, like they beat Giannis in the two games he came back for. One of those yep. games, he had like 38 points and 20 rebounds and they still beat him. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any problems there. Um, they beat the Knicks fair and square. I mean, that's not as impressive, but they're still on a hot streak. And then, you know, you could argue, okay, Jason Tatum doesn't twist his ankle. Well, they still beat them by 20 points in game seven. So like, would it really yeah. have mattered that much? Yeah. I, I guess that's a question. Does it matter that much that Tatum hurts himself on the first play of the game? No, because it should have never even gotten to that point. Um, <laughs> yeah. When we, t- when we talk about the Boston Boston Celtics on the same point of where Miami is, I mean, Boston was the second rated offense all regular season, fifth rated mm-hmm. defense all regular season comes into the playoffs. They don't miss a beat. They're still doing, still doing their thing, uh, play a hard series against the 76ers and get the job done. And then they face against this Miami team. And the whole thing just goes bonkers like they <laughs> just fall apart i i have some stats here let me see if i could find them um yep second highest rated offense in the in the playoffs uh yeah. shooting 40 46% they well they ended up they shot 47% 37% uh 47% from the field and 37% from 3 for most of these playoffs and the regular season they come against this Miami Heat team, and all of a sudden that drops down to 46%, slightly slightly lower, but the three points down to 30% mm. and 22 assists per game. And the, th- and, the three, and the seven percentage points may not seem like a big deal from three, but when you consider that this That's Celtic team shoots almost half of their field goal attempts from three at 45%, we're talking about a huge chunk of their shots that are not finding the bottom of the net. Yeah. And and these missed threes leading to fast transition buckets for Miami. 
it's really no surprise at why some of these games were blow blowouts. Um, Boston just could not find the same rhythm offensively that they had all regular season and they had against the 76ers and all credit to, to Miami heat for finding something defensively, but also just a sheer lack of creativity and ability to adjust hmm. and pivot from the Boston Celtics. Like they just had no playmaking ability out there and it was no more apparent than in game seven where essentially the entire team had almost, a, uh, just for basically turning the ball over every time going to Tatum, he turned the ball over going to Brown. He turned the ball over. Mm-hmm. And on that note for Jalen Brown, a guy you'd want who's you look to your, as your second best player. Yeah. Really offered nothing different than what Jason Tatum was doing. Brilliant score. But I mean, Jalen Brown was almost one for one for every turnover. He, for every assist, he had a turnover. And most of that in uh, game seven. <laughs> and most of that, yes, in game seven. So for every good thing you base, I mean, you basically just give something up on the other side. I mean, we kind of, you know, we hampered on Russell Westbrook <laughs> for having things like this. But this is even worse in, oh, the, time yeah. that, in the moment that it matters the most. Um, so a lot of bad stuff here from, from the Celtics, just not being able to find their rhythm. Yeah. And man, it's, it's crazy to see the heat be able to stifle them so much with just a zone defense. Like Mm -hmm. they played zone the whole time. And then, you know, that seems like it would play into the Celtics hand because they shoot so many threes and the zone's not really designed to guard the three point shot as much. But they just came out so cold in game seven. I think they started zero of 11 from three, which is just unheard of. Like I I started having flashbacks to that Rockets team that went zero for 27 in game seven against the Warriors in the conference finals back in the Chris Paul, James Harden era. I was like, Mm -hmm. dude, are we seeing the exact same thing here? They ended up hitting a few, but I I think on the night, yeah, 16% from three. Or maybe like 20 something percent from three for the team. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was just crazy. that, And maybe part of that was just fatigue. And I know this team isn't exactly old. I think Al Horford's really the only one on the roster that's really like, you know, up into his late 30s. But even if you have guys that are like 25, 26 years old, like Tatum and Brown, like they had to go six games against Atlanta they had to go a grueling seven against Philadelphia. And now we're on game seven of this series and you had to just claw your way from a three zero, And so mm-hmm. they had to fight and claw for three games straight to even get here. I think they were just super tired and these were just tired shots that they were putting up. Yeah. That was one thing I always kept thinking about, but it just seems like such a, such a, such a lame excuse, especially when you start at home. You had the two games in Boston <laughs> that you just gave up. Like, at least oh, take yeah. one of those. You yeah, take, no you take one that. of, yeah, you take one of those games, and and now you're looking at your path a little bit more different. But ah, uh, you just just can't you can't use that. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a tough series against the 76ers, and maybe it did take a few days for them to re re pivot and refocus. But that's just the that's just the playoff journey, and. Um, the coaching staff or the leaders of this team need, should have done something better to to get them out of that get them out of that funk if that was a funk that they were stuck on. Um, one of the things that I also was thinking about here for this series is whether Malcolm Brogdon may have made it made a difference. Um, he was someone who who had a torn ligament, I believe, in, in mm-hmm. his in his in his arm for most of this series. 
yeah six man of the year he was a big piece for what they were doing um and in this series he was just you know the few games that he played 18 minutes only for the series 30 mm-hmm. percent from the field 60 percent from three and yeah uh, just one assist per per game mm. had he been healthy maybe things look a little different you have another pl- another ball handler you can throw the ball to because if there is one silver lining in this series, it's uh, it's it's on the point guards. Derek White and Marcus Smart managed to have themselves a decent series, but of course, like these aren't your main guys, so it's not enough to win. Um, but maybe having yeah. a Malcolm Brogdon there would have made a bit yeah. of a difference, just there's, giving you a different look. There's absolutely no excuse, though. I mean, yeah. sure, you don't have Brogdon. They don't have Odalipo. They don't have Tyler Harrow. Yep. They had Gabe Vincent go out with that ankle sprain, so he was limited in game five and didn't really play in game six. Or no, he didn't really play in game four, and he didn't play at all in game five. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the Heat had their own share of injuries, too. It's not like they played at full strength the whole time. And you're getting beat by a bunch of undrafted dudes. Yeah. Like, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Hayward Highsmith, man. Like... Caleb Martin, like <laughs> these guys are beating you. That should not happen. I don't care if you have one of your bench players that's pretty good not playing. That's no excuse. They have no excuse for losing this series. Yeah. I there's also one final point on the Celtics, because I do want to sing the praises of the Miami Heat, but I just can't the my the Boston Celtic thing is just a it just seems like such a stunner. But then when you dig into it, as long as you don't focus on the names i feel like it can it makes sense but it also kind of just doesn't make sense like jalen brown is like a big one where it's like okay jalen brown second team all nba he is an obvious good second star but then Mm -hmm. after seeing this series it's like well is he really is he really a guy who should be set who is of the caliber to make second team all nba he averaged 26 points in the regular season you know offensive machine in this series, 19 points. Again, like I mentioned earlier, more turnovers in total than assists. And on average, it's almost one to one. Again, for every assist, there's yeah. a turnover. 16% from three, game seven, 19 points, eight for 23, and just did not look aggressive at all. I mean, when this team was making a slight run, that was led by Derek White. It wasn't led by Tatum or, or <laughs> yeah. Brown. That was all Derek White, all that, Horford yeah. making some Derek good White plays. Derek White played a like, good series. Yeah, like Jalen Brown was just not there at all. And I just don't understand how that happens. Like, how 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 do you, how do you come off one of the best career years and in the stage where it matters most, you're just not there. And it's not just Game 7. It's the whole series. But Game 6 and Game 7 in particular stand out. Like, Game 6 shouldn't have been that close. And part of the reason... I feel that lead gave up was just like the lack of production that you that you were able to get from your stars and in particular Jalen Brown. Yeah, no, he really did need to step up. But I mean, at the same time, Jimmy Butler really didn't have that good of a series if we're looking at it as a whole. And so you're looking at Jimmy Butler and, and even Bam Adebayo had a couple very good games, but he also had a couple duds. It really did come down to these role players just completely elevating into impact players yeah and the celtics they had Derek white but they really didn't have anyone else elevate up the heat had like four guys step up and it really came down to that the stars 
weren't really playing that well. And yeah. the role players really decided the series. And and yeah, it's like Jalen Brown, you do need to play better. Like, I don't really know if he had some hidden excuse for it. Like the 19 points this series, that is crazy. Like you, you yeah. got Duncan Robinson guarding you. You have Max Struess guarding you. Like that should not be stopping Jalen Brown. Second team, all NBA Jalen Brown. I think he's a yeah. lot better than this. I, I don't. I, it's hard for me to believe he has like the yips. Or has some like anxiety about this because he's been in the conference finals four times in his career already. He's been here, yep. so I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know what was wrong with him. It's it very strange. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like one, there's one side of there's one piece of the story with the Celtics that makes sense why they lost when you look at the performance. But then there's the second piece of like, well, this team has been here for a few years. They've been knocking at this door since 2018, essentially. Yeah, and. So these guys have been here. These guys have shown the body of work that they are capable of winning big games. And they're, they're, you know, Brown and Tatum are easily within the top 20 of best players in the NBA. And then, and then yet they come out here and Jalen Brown just, I don't know who he, who stopped, who stopped Jalen Brown. Like it's hard for me to say. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like Denver, you know, Denver threw Aaron Gordon at, at LeBron. They, they threw MPJ, you know, they double teamed him. Uh, you know, there's like all these things you can point to of like good defensive sequences that that slow down a guy like LeBron. I'm not really sure Miami really has guys like that other than it's Bam just good team the defense. Rim. It's just great yeah, team it, defense, I think. Yeah, it's not really any one individual person. I mean, obviously, we know Adebayo is a great defender. We know Jimmy Butler's a great defender. And I think that just rubs off on the rest of the team. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's really what it came down to, that zone defense, just packing the paint, making life difficult for them and just forcing them into these into these threes that they just weren't able to to knock down. They knocked down enough to push it to seven games, but just not enough to really come out or be in a position to take home a convincing win. Um, but enough about Boston. I think talking about Miami, what they did well here, I mean, let's see. There was one guy in particular that I want to highlight. I forget his name. Caleb What's Martin. His name? Oh, Caleb Martin. <laughs> there he is. Can't even remember Nine... this guy's name. He's he's not even on the radar that much. I was being sarcastic there, but uh, of course, uh, nine points in the regular season. You know, have middle of the pack, thirty-five percent from three, forty-six from the field goal, twenty-nine minutes per game. So he was there. He was suiting up for this team. Come playoff time, 14 points a game, 56% from the field, 43% from three. Uh, Just a slight minute increase in 30 minutes to 30 minutes, you know, just a slight amount of dependency. But man, this guy has capitalized. But the usage rate, that's that's what changed. I mean, he he has taken a back seat to, you know, Harrow and Butler taking all Mm -hmm. the shots. And now he steps in and just fills the role. Yeah, he's taken more shots, taken more usage, and improved on every shot he's taken, shooting better, uh, shooting better shots, just attacking and making everything so much easier for guys like Jimmy Butler or Bam to score inside. Really more Jimmy Butler, who's just like all of a sudden a machine that just like (laughs) is patient inside in the post and find his guys or he's got that little fadeaway or he's got that baby hook. Mm -hmm. Um, Jimmy Butler, another guy. You talk about playoff Jimmy. That's that has to be a thing. Twenty-two oh, points yeah. a game, up to twenty-eight and a half. Um, joining almost joining the the 40, 50, 90 club 
in terms of shooting percentages, like 40, almost 50% from the field, 35 36% from three and uh, 80% from the free throw line um, due to just the scoring machine and just a heck of a leader. <laughs> I, I, I've never seen a one guy wrecking machine other than the obvious, like a LeBron James, but like yeah. this guy's just wrecked through the Eastern conference yeah. in a way I haven't seen since LeBron. And I mean, it it is just, it's truly a testament to like the heat culture to Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. to Eric Spolstrom, to the whole organization. I mean, this team, I mean, this is their second finals appearance in the last four years. And they've made the conference finals in three of the last four years. I mean, they, they were in the conference finals against the Celtics last year in a game mm-hmm. seven that they lost. And Jimmy Butler was quoted like literally exactly a year ago saying, we're going to come back next year. And we're going to get it. And they did exactly that. And it's just hearing him in his in his post game, like just talking about how he's like, I don't see my guys as role players. I see them as teammates. I mean, that just mm-hmm. shows, you know, how much faith he has in his guys and how he's just willing to let Caleb Martin take over you know like he doesn't need the ball in his hands he's willing to give it to caleb martin he's willing to give it to kyle lowry willing to give it up to max Struess, whoever's got the hot hand you know and man watching caleb martin too i was just like his guy's shots were not even easy like it wasn't like he was just like sitting in the corner waiting for someone to give him a open three like he was going off the dribble he was posting up he was fading away from the baseline all all these shots were going in for him. It it's just it, yeah, it's almost like a renaissance for this man. Like I almost feel bad for him that he's only going to make 7 million dollars over the next 2 years on his contract because <laughs> I feel like after this performance he'd get some like Austin Reeves type of money. That's pretty funny. One of the things I just realized is that Miami just went out there and beat the crap out of Boston <laughs> so bad. <laughs> That Boston's offensive rating is almost um, is almost as bad as or Boston's offensive rating in this series is almost as bad as Miami's offensive rating in the regular <laughs> season. Yeah, yeah, that last game was probably a huge part of that. I mean, they scored 15 points in the first quarter. 15 points at home. Yeah, in a game seven, absolutely mm-hmm. unreal and. I got to ask this because it's it's been on my mind like ever since the game yesterday. Is this I mean, I, I don't want to mean disrespect. It's going to come off as disrespectful, though. Is this the least talented team that's ever made the NBA finals? It depends what you mean by talented, <laughs> but if you mean it in the very general sense of background, you know, what you project yeah, these like players to name play like recognition. Yeah. Like I gotta, I gotta say, yeah, yes. Like I can, I've been trying to think of another team, and maybe, maybe there's a team from like you know the 80s or 90s that made it that I, I'm not thinking of, but like mm-hmm. this team is not talented. Like no. <laughs> it's why no one picked them, and they had a 0.7 percent chance to win the finals at the beginning of the playoffs. Like I mean, did did Bam make All NBA this year? I don't no. think so. Right? No. 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 Just Jimmy Butler. Yeah, and- it's just Jimmy Butler, and no one else was even close, really. Like Bam's mm-hmm. good, but then there's nobody else that you'd even put in a conversation for even being a star player. Kevin Love, once upon a time. Once upon a time, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. He doesn't even play, and so it's just like, 
this has got to be just the scrappiest team that's ever made the finals. Yeah, and ever. you know what's the full the most foolish thing about this all though too is that they've been they've also been knocking at the door for this for the last three years. And oh yeah, <laughs> I still didn't believe in them, and here they are. Man. You know, it's not it's not it's like yes, they came out of nowhere, but they also didn't. Right, they were in the finals two years ago. Yeah, conference finals last year, and here they are in the finals. Like wow, unbelievable. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, moving on from there, Nuggets sweeping the Lakers. This is one we haven't talked about. Uh, but hey, I mean, sh- it happened this, like a, this over was, a week ago, so it's almost old news at this point. <laughs> yeah, but still, it's just worth just talking about it because you know the Lakers made their at the same vein as the my at Miami Heat, not quite as underdogish, I guess, but also the Lakers making that run. You know, starting the season like zero and five, and then <laughs> making it all the way to the conference finals, but. You know, they had a chance to win three of these games, but the Denver Nuggets are just so much, we're just so much better. The size ended up, yeah, the size ended up actually being uh, favorable for the Nuggets. I mean, a few years ago, it was the Lakers size that really beat down on the Nuggets, but this time it's the other way. It was the other way around. And my God, Jokic. And Jamal Murray just made some ridiculous shots. <laughs> one leg of fadeaways. Yeah, that game one threes. shot that Jokic made over AD at the end of the third quarter. Oh my yeah. god, that was the difference in that game too. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was, and just like Michael Porter Jr. also just hit a few just super clutch threes as well. KCP. Yeah. Like Mike Malone stuck with his six man rotation. I felt like that was going to come back and bite him in the butt just because the Lakers were a little deeper. They just had their plethora of guards that could run the ball when, you know, AD and LeBron seemed like the slowest guys in the whole <laughs> league. They had these quick guards to compliment them. And I thought yeah. that would come back and bite them, but it just never did. Like Bruce Brown, Jamal Murray, they all just hung in there and just can, and just whenever the Lakers got felt like they were, coming out of the water to take a big gulf of fresh air (laughs) Miami I mean Miami the Nuggets just sunk their head back in there with just ridiculous shots and just amazing playmaking like there was a stark difference watching Denver play uh against the Lakers and versus what I was seeing with again with Boston Miami like Mm -hmm. Denver is just they're just such a good team they're, yeah, they're just solid across the board. They probably mm-hmm. have the most solid starting lineup out of any team in the NBA. And I mean, we got some pretty solid lineups. I mean, the 76ers have a great starting lineup, the Bucks, uh, the Celtics even. I mean, but mm-hmm. yeah, the Nuggets are just, they don't really have a weakness, you know? Like, especially now that Murray and Porter Jr. are back healthy, it, it's just like, you don't really need more than a six-man rotation with the way these guys are playing right now. Yeah, I mean, Jamal Murray's, is playing like one of the best point guards in the league. I mean, basically what we saw in the bubble and I mean, compare and contrast like who he was in the regular season to what he is in the playoffs in the regular season, 20 points a game, 45% shooting pretty good from three, almost 40%. And he had those 65 games. Uh, but in the playoffs, he's a 28 point yeah. <laughs> game scorer, almost 50% from the field, 40% from three. Oof. Uh, ninety-two percent for the free throw line. My like, God, this is these are these all are Steph, NBA. These are Steph Curry. Yeah, this is these are like almost Steph Curry numbers. Like, yeah, 
it it's it does uh, yeah i mean obviously as la guys like we're we're pretty bummed at the result yeah, but watching a guy watching a guy like jamal murray come back from the injuries that he has you know and we've seen what he can do obviously we mm-hmm. know you're a huge jamal murray guy from the from that for those bubble playoff series like we know yeah. what he's capable of it's great to see him back at it um because yeah. we know we know that he can be a superstar in this league and like to know that like after he had his injury and like he knew he was going to be out for like over a whole season, like he had to go into like Malone and be like, are you guys going to trade me? Cause I'm damaged goods. Mm-hmm. And he had to reassure him like, no, like you're our guy. And that's, and now to see that come to fruition and like, this is the result that you get from being loyal to your guy. Like, it's just, it's just a great story. Um, yeah. Super yeah. talented dude making it happen. It is a great story. That's why it's it's it was sort of heartbreaking to lose to them, but at the same time, it's like, well, I would rather see Denver win that NBA title than the Boston Celtics. <laughs> like and now you don't have to worry about times. that either, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the funny thing is Adam Silver was so the whole NBA community was so close to getting that Boston versus Lakers. The ratings series. would have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, both franchises tied right now at an yeah. 18 NBA championships for the tiebreaker. But you know, Denver's been again talking about knocking at the door. They've been knocking at the door too for a, for a long time, building from from scratch and first time that the whole core is is healthy and uh I mean when we talk about Mike Malone complaining about, you know, he's always believed in this team that they were a championship favorite, despite like, you know, most national NBA news, not really giving Denver credit to be a favorite to win the championship, but here they are. I mean, it's just tough, right? Like Jamal Murray was, we just didn't see this. I didn't know he was going to make this jump to 27 points a game. (laughs) Yo kick I knew was there, but Michael Porter jr. And all these other uh yeah Aaron players. Gordon yeah Aaron Gordon have also just made the jump like Aaron Gordon ended up being really the stake in the heart to the Lakers in that <laughs> game four like yeah I just he, he is I just saw, so good in all assets of the game yeah I saw that coming too because they were either double teaming Jamal Murray or double teaming Jokic in the post and Anthony Davis was sort of like that free safety in the mm-hmm. paint and the guy who was always just, you know, the loose screw in, in the offense was Aaron Gordon. And I knew at some point Jokic was going to start finding him and he was going to knock down the shots or get yeah. to the rim. And that's what he was doing in that game four. And he ended up being just a stake in the heart for the Lakers. And yeah, that's just a newfound chess piece here that I don't know. And I don't see how Miami's going to stop that. <laughs> Me neither, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's the th- and we'll talk about that that matchup but it it is going to be tough for them but it, i mean they've had to deal with Giannis. they've had to deal with tatum and they've yeah. figured it out <laughs> yeah i guess yes yeah, staying here with the lakers um man there are just so many question marks and good stuff that came out of it obviously like the big the big stuff is just the revelation of Austin Reeves and um, and Rui Hachimura. Like, (laughs) I just can't believe it that we got Rui Hachimura for like a couple second round draft picks. And a couple second round picks (laughs) that Rob Palenka then got back in another trade. So it's like almost like we didn't lose anything at all. Like, brilliant. And yeah, and for him to come out there and do what he did 
is is such a great sign. And then Dennis Schroeder also doing his thing, and Lonnie Walker also a huge revelation. Like, there's just some good pieces here for the Lakers uh, to play with in the next coming years. But then, of course, there's the question of LeBron James and and his health and potential retirement. Like, I don't, I just don't even really know what to think of it. I don't. I'm curious to hear what what you thought overall, Sean, about it. Well, yeah. So obviously the first one that you alluded to is LeBron's cryptic message that he kind of freehandedly gave to everyone at the end of his postgame interview after that game four is like, I'll see if I'm coming back next year. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And obviously pertaining to him contemplating retirement and on the surface, it's like, oh, that's kind of scary. Like, I didn't realize that could have been LeBron's last game. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like that was more of an emotional response to losing than what's actually going to happen in reality. Because, like you know, he just lost. It was a two-point loss in Game 4. Getting swept, that probably hurts a lot. That's just another stain on his legacy and his pursuit of Michael Jordan. And yeah. I think for him, he's probably like, just like, you know what? F this. Like, this sucks. Like, maybe <laughs> I'll just quit. My foot hurts. You know, whatever. But I mean, he's he's going to get the foot surgery. We know now that he has that torn tendon in his foot that he's been playing through. Um, so he'll get surgery on that. It'll take a couple months to recover. But I mean, come on, he's going to be back for next year. Let's let's be real. Like he, he will probably play like 60 games, but he'll be back. And I, I can't imagine him giving up just like that. You know, he's not going to go out getting swept in the playoffs. That's that's a bad way to leave in my opinion. I don't care. He had a great game obviously. He got that historic 31 point half where he looked like primetime LeBron ended with 40 yeah. points. Played all 48 minutes, you know. You could say it's a valiant valiant way to go out in a way, but there's just no way. He wants another title and he's going to you know, spend a week in Cancun, maybe two, maybe a month. And he'll come back and be like, okay, I'm I'm ready to get at this thing again. I'm I'm hungry. Yeah, if he does come back, and he, I the one thing about LeBron that it's not just specific to LeBron, but some of these older guys that kind of bothers me is like LeBron's quote that he wants to come back, but you know he doesn't want to be the primary scorer or ball handler, or whatnot. And it's like, okay, well, if you don't want those responsibilities. Well, then don't take 30% of the Lakers cap space. (laughs) (laughs) Well, come on. Be reasonable, Alan. (laughs) I mean, it's like, and it's the same thing with like Chris Paul or some of these older guys. Uh, It's like, okay, well, you don't want 100% of the role. (laughs) Well, then don't take the full max. Then like give the team five to 10% of that cap space back. Like, wow. Wait. Yeah. Come on. Be reasonable, Alan. Uh, it's this like their on, money. Man. They earned it. They earned it it's, from their past accolades. It's like you want the full pay that's <laughs> on the job description, but you want to take off a full few of those bullet points off. No, that's not how it works. I don't that's, know. I, I don't no, think dude, that's not that's not how NBA contracts work. You know this. You get paid for what you have done, not what you are currently doing. Yeah, I think that just bothers me. And it's like, okay, <laughs> we'll pay him this year. But if he wants to come back and he wants to talk about not being the primary ball, well, then don't take the full max. Like, don't get the full, like, let the Lakers be able to afford an actual ball handler. Anyways, 
That's like a little <laughs> tidbit there. Uh, what, what I don't get I, about a lot of those older guy contracts is why do they go up every year? Why don't yeah. they go? Why don't they start high and go down every year? Wouldn't that make more sense? It does make more sense. And that's actually a good point that I forgot to bring up I'll ch- just to kind of loop back to the Celtics is that they actually negotiated a deal like that with Al Horford. Mm. And that might actually end up saving them. That's super smart. Uh, ne- this next coming season in order to bring back a guy like Grant Williams or go out there and make a trade and chase another potential. No, Grant, Grant Williams. Decent. No, he's not coming back to Grant Williams is nothing. He didn't even play. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, that's one point there, but yes, that would be a better way to negotiate a deal. Um, there is one point on the late Lakers that I did also want to touch on. And that's the, the D'Angelo Russell point. Oh, um, rough yeah what what an interesting storyline there you know d'angelo russell doesn't start that game four uh had some big games against memphis the warriors but just totally get shut down against uh the denver nuggets i mean mike malone calls him out personally a few <laughs> times which i kind of thought was too much but hey you know it's not against any rules and it is what it is yeah and I, I like the smack talk dude I, I yeah i think there should be more smack talk yeah and then here's the thing too is like once you the playoffs not that they're said and done austin reeves uh, finishes at almost 17 points a game uh 90 from the free throw line almost 45 percent from three Whew. 46 from the field d'angelo russell 13 points 42 mm. from the field mm. 30% from three, Oof. 76% from the free throw line. Um, Austin Reeves just point for point better than D'Angelo <laughs> Russell in the playoffs. Regular yeah. season, different story, but you can make the argument that Austin Reeves may carry this, will probably likely carry this into the, the regular season. So this is just quite the predicament. And it's like, how is this conversation going to go in terms of like, you know, if Austin Reeves ends up agreeing to a certain number, like that's got to be the number D'Angelo Russell agrees to, or he takes less than that. Um, D'Angelo Russell's going to want more than Austin Reeves. I guarantee oh, it. I bet he does. And that's the thing. It's like, do, do you give that to him? Like he was not, not a Schroeder is going to take less. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is just going to create such a weird dynamic within your guards heading yeah. into the season. Like, what what a head scratcher and i i'm i'm not i don't know how they're gonna figure that out i personally uh, would rather have austin reeves and figure oh, out sure. what i can trade for d'angelo russell i uh i i hate the whole Kyrie irving angle because mm-hmm. i feel like that's really the only direction that's been explored by anyone really looking into this is like would the lakers trade d'angelo russell for Kyrie irving i honestly don't know if i'd want either at this yeah. point, especially like Dennis Schroeder played very well, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and like we are, they already made the mistake of not letting him come back once. And maybe it wasn't a mistake because he wanted too much money, but maybe he'll take less money now. Yeah. And having him as a starting point guard, I think is totally fine. I think that's, yeah. I think you still have a solid team. I think it's still a contending team, you know, bringing all the pieces back that matter. And yeah, I'd, I'd much prefer that than, giving D'Angelo Russell a hundred million dollars for four years, which is what he's going to want. Yeah. He's going to want that around $20 million per year mark. And at 26 years old, and 
I mean, even at the exit interview, he basically said there was one question where specific to what he's going to work on in the offseason. He said it, paraphrasing here, he said something along the lines that he basically feels like at this point he's already established his skill set and who he is as a player. And it's just like little intangibles to work on, like watching film and learning tendencies. But, you know, it just sounds like there isn't going to be any second wave or third wave as far as in-game improvement so that to me just feels like a red flag i feel like every player should rather should be looking to get better and anything regardless of of age or how they feel about their own abilities um so that was not something i like yeah there is a there is a name that i've seen thrown around and may make sense from a number perspective and that's a a dejounte murray a sign-in trade they just traded three first round picks for him you think they'd give up DeJounte <laughs> Murray after one year I don't know oh. I would love that DeJounte Murray oh. yeah I bet you would <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense they would never do that you could yeah. get Trey Young maybe but you're not got, you're not getting DeJounte Murray oh I do not want Trey Young no you don't <laughs> yeah definitely not um but yeah th- that's going to be quite the quite the uh predicament there for the lakers um yeah anything else you one last point i want to make about the nuggets um i i think what really played to their advantage i think i feel like this was kind of an orchestrated strategy by mike malone is i feel like he really played the disrespect card a lot (laughs) this series like he he was painting a narrative and and maybe he's just trying to get the team to buy into it to like put a chip on their shoulder that no one gave them a chance, that no one cared about, you know, how good they were playing. All they cared about were the Lakers or how the Lakers figured them out after the game one, like almost turn around or yeah. like how no one's giving Jokic any respect. You know, he really played into that. He almost seemed angry after every post game interview, after they win, like to keep them hungry i feel like it was almost just like a strategy of his to like you know kind of like in a michael jordan like i'm gonna find reasons Mm -hmm. to like be mad at these guys to get the competitive edge yeah i mean i don't blame him you know because here's one thing (laughs) it worked and here's one thing that the that's always been true i i guess not true but like in the game of basketball i remember when i was i read like phil jackson's uh final season book years ago. And one point he highlighted in there is just that the refs are human and you should be, you know, he's willing to play the game of smooth talking refs, but then also strategically, you know, being the angry guy to try to figure out how to get the humans, the slight human side of the refs on your side. Mm-hmm. And here's the reality is that the Lakers, they shoot a lot of free throws. And <laughs> I think Mike Malone was playing that card because he knew that that's the biggest advantage for the Lakers. And if he yeah. could just hinder that, even just a few per- single digit percentage points oh, yeah. and give his team enough light, you know, to, to take the series. And <laughs> maybe he didn't even really have to do that because they ended up sweeping, but <laughs> Hey, that made it, made it, that yeah. made it that much easier for them to do it. So I respect it, you know. Yeah, it's annoying, but I, I respect it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I I think it works, you know. Like I I think that he truly let himself believe that like the Nuggets are a completely disrespected team, 
and that like <laughs> everyone thinks they're garbage and that Jokic isn't actually a good player and like we're so happy Embiid won the MVP to MVP over him and it's like yeah I mean he, he used it all as fuel and that's you know a, a tried and true strategy yeah, God, I guess God it is what it is. Yeah. Because it's a half truth, right? It's like, yeah, yeah oh, nobody, totally. <laughs> nobody nobody chose the Nuggets to be the favorite to win it, but also nobody disrespected them. Like, no. I would say Miami Heat was more disrespected on their path oh, than yeah. the Nuggets. It was always like, <laughs> oh, yeah, the Nuggets are there. It's like, oh, yeah, that's not surprising that the Nuggets are yeah. in this final. Surprising that we didn't call it but <laughs> it's not surprising that they're in it <laughs> yeah so i don't know i i just thought that was yeah it, it was an interesting part of this series and i think it did play an impact yeah should we go preview now nuggets yeah. versus heat nuggets versus heat man holy Here cow we go. <laughs> the number one rated offensive team in the playoffs the denver nuggets by a big margin 120 121 points per 100 Oof. possessions uh, second is the Boston Celtics at 117. And just again, highlighting just mm-hmm. how badly Miami held <laughs> down the Boston Celtics in the series. Uh, Miami is fifth at 116, Denver at 121. As far as defensive rating, Miami is fifth. Uh, Denver Nuggets are in seventh at 112, and Miami is 111. Defensively, they're close. They're both just the middle of the pack as far as pace neither of them are real track stars here <laughs> um but i mean no surprise on off on the offensive end like the nuggets just move the ball so well they have Jokic as their little point center then they also have jamal murray who's just a scoring machine and then they just have size like mm-hmm. they have their plethora of dudes that are that are six eight or taller michael porter jr gordon Jokic. Um, that they could just throw around. Even Jamal Murray's got some size for himself too, and KCP yeah. at the two spot. Really, the smallest guy there is Bruce Brown. Um, whereas on the Miami side, you got Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, but outside of that, you're 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 running with a kind of a small lineup. Very. It wasn't an issue against the Celtics, but who Denver's just got a little bit more, <laughs> a lot more there than the oh, Celtics. Yeah. So I see that being an issue there, and. I don't know how Miami's going to slow this team down. Zone defense, yeah. pack the pain, and just, I guess, annoy the crap and hope that Denver's not knocking down threes at the same rate they were against the Celtics. I mean, against the Lakers. Yeah, and you could argue, like, oh, the Heat went up against size already. They had to go up against Giannis and Brooke Lopez. And that's mm-hmm. those are two very formidable big men. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because I feel like Aaron Gordon is kind of the perfect defender against a Jimmy Butler type. Yeah. You know, and I think we've said that for multiple series. Aaron Gordon is just one of the most versatile defenders in the league with his size and his athleticism. He's able to really stay with smaller guys, but have the muscle to go up against bigger guys too. So I think you're going to see Aaron Gordon a lot on Jimmy Butler, maybe helping a little bit on Bam Adebayo. Um, And then hell, Maybe you get KCP in there on Jimmy Butler too. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting to see because you have you have two different styles there, right? You got like the bigger, stronger guy in Aaron Gordon, and you have you know, the smaller, more nimble, but like still very defensively sound KCP as an option there too. That can still he's pretty much the same size as Jimmy Butler, maybe a little smaller, but I, I think they have options for him, and that's the scary part because I don't think the Celtics really had that much switchability on him 
And mm-hmm. I, I feel like they do against against the guys like I mean now you got Caleb Martin who I think I think KCP could lock down Caleb Martin pretty good yeah um so I don't know I, it, on paper it just doesn't seem fair it really doesn't like I feel like this should just be heavy heavy favorites for the Nuggets obviously they are the heavy favorites coming into this series eight and a half point favorites in game one already. Uh, that's that's like very sizable <laughs> although the yeah. celtics were pretty much eight point favorites in game seven too so you never yeah. know like it's just you can't count this heat team out they just figure out ways so obviously i'm no eric spolstra i'm sure he's gonna come up with some plan to to you know get around the size of the nuggets um the rebounding battle is gonna be interesting i mean it's just gonna have to be a group mm-hmm. effort by the heat i mean I, we've seen them be able to keep up rebound wise with the celtics um, but there was a few games in there where they're giving up a ton of offensive rebounds. And luckily for them, their defense was good enough where like Boston still wasn't making the shots on the second or even third chance points. But if you do the same thing with Jokic, I don't think you're going to be as lucky. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, they're, they're going to inevitably lose the rebound battle, but how much of those are going to be rebounds on the offensive end? How many second chance points are you giving up? I think that's going to be a big thing that the heat are going to have to shore up if they yeah. have a chance to beat them. The offensive rebound is a good point. That's, that's also something that bit the Lakers in the butt real bad. <laughs> the Denver Nuggets second chance points. They won that every single night yeah uh, <laughs> even when it was seemed close and and we're talking about the lakers who i think in the playoffs and they're third they, they're gonna they're at third right now in mm-hmm. total rebounds with the denver nuggets right behind them and the miami heat are towards the bottom half of this group so i mean he, the lakers were getting beat on the boards by yeah. denver <laughs> this yeah yeah that's i mean at the end of the day rebounds i guess his size and, and a bit of effort so maybe denver and miami can minimize that but yeah if denver ends up winning that by by plus plus eight plus eight rebounds and yeah plus five offensively like that's a tough of sec- that's a tough amount of second chance opportunities you're giving up mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah like even talk about like bruce brown coming off the bench like that guy plays bigger than his size. Mm-hmm. So like everyone on their team, except for like maybe Jamal Murray is like a great rebounder. So it's, it's going to be tough, man. They are small. Like Jimmy Butler plays the four at six foot six. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Caleb Martin, six, five Vincent and Struess are both like six, three. Yeah. It's going to be tough, man. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe you're gonna have a heavy dose of Cody Zeller try to come in and switch things up because that's that's really their only option if they want to go big. Um, so yeah, Kevin Love, <laughs> I think we're uh, gonna yeah, see Kevin Love. Kevin Love. Yeah, I forgot I forgot about Kevin. Love. I just yeah, I don't know. I I just don't think he has his basketball legs, man. He was played out yeah. of that Celtics series, and he he could have been a good body up against Al Horford um mm-hmm. but yeah he just wasn't he wasn't up to the task so i don't know if he'll be up to the task against the nuggets either oh yeah jamal murray's going to hunt kevin love <laughs> oh yeah cody zeller <laughs> like it just it, it's gonna be a rough one i mean maybe miami can take a blueprint out of the lakers book and um put cody zeller on Jokic and have bam as their free safety roaming around Oof, but that's yeah. just like if AD and Rui couldn't didn't work out like no, Bam and Cody that's Zeller, not better. Bam that is and not Kevin better. Love, 
same thing, same thing, but not the same. Yeah, that's that. That's just completely worse on both levels. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh man, I it's I so hard know. for me to find a path for the Heat to win this. But hell, I thought they'd get swept by the Bucks, man. So I mean, th yeah, we're gonna see something interesting. I think this yeah. game is gonna be a lot closer. I think if I had to put money on it, I don't really bet on these games. I would put money on on the Heat at least covering this eight and a half spread. For one, because the Nuggets have had like ten days off by the time this game <laughs> happens. Like, yeah, they're going to be a little rusty and the heat are still kind of riding a high of just winning the mm -hmm. series. They still get two days off. And that's that's decent. So I, I feel like they'll at least come out hot and they'll come out swinging. I don't know if they'll win, but it'll be close, uh, even though I can't think of any logical reasons they should be. Yeah, there's <laughs> only one thing I can point to. Um, Miami Heat are number one in three-point shooting as a team. I'll just shoot the lights in out. In the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, 39%, which is an outrageous number. That is number. crazy. Yeah. But <laughs> guess who's number two? The Denver the Nuggets. Nuggets. Yep. So, I mean, this is a 1% difference. You can bump that up a 2% <laughs> in one of these games, and I think Miami may be able to just get lucky, and the roll of the dice on the three-point line goes in their favor. Man. But that, even that's such a sketchy thing to hang your hat on. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited for this game, though. Like, it could end up being a blowout, you know? I, I would be disappointed if it was, though, because if the Heat have made it this far, they better not let us down now. They better put on a good show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, we got to push this. You got to put get try to at least get to mid-June. Get this, yeah. get this series <laughs> yeah, to get it to at least Get it to six. Get it to six <laughs> yeah. games, please. Mm-hmm. Who do you, I, do you have a favorite? Do you do you want one team to win? I don't really have a favorite, personally. Uh, I personally want. I wouldn't say they're my favorite, but I wouldn't mind seeing the Denver Nuggets win this. Their yeah. franchise has never won an NBA championship. That's true. I, I don't know. Is this this might be the this is this the first time the Denver franchise has ever been yes. in the finals? Yes, it is. It is right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean they've had a few good groups uh that have come knocking at the door uh and this is probably by far my favorite nuggets team it's a great team uh, not yeah. that they're not that, that there's been many outside of like the the carmelo anthony chauncey yeah. billups teams um i like yo kick i like jamal murray so i wouldn't mind seeing them win there's just something about miami and boston <laughs> those are my I'd say my least favorite franchise is the Spurs, Heat, and Boston. <laughs> and anybody but them three, I want to see win. So, so let's you don't go like Nuggets. The heat. You don't like the Heat? I'm not a huge Heat guy. No, huh. I'm not. How can you like not be after this team just scrapped its way to the finals, though? Like, you have to be proud of it. Like, as a basketball fan, how can you not be stoked I, on that? As a basketball fan, I do like this group. I just, there's something about the Heat brand that I just have never <laughs> liked. I mean, I, I love, I used to love Dwayne Wade though. That's the thing too. But I just yeah. was never a fan of like the LeBron and the LeBron, the big well, three. Sure. No, one, no one was a huge fan of that. Yeah. The Shaq days. Like, I don't know. There was just something. But ever about since the, the Jimmy, the Jimmy Butler era for the heat has been awesome. Like amazingly successful somehow. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. There's something about this team <laughs> that I, 
something about the Heath franchise. Maybe it's like <laughs> I'm just not a huge Pat Riley guy. Maybe that's what it is. Because I think Eric Spolster is like one of the the best coaches in the NBA. Like I think that guy is deserving of oh, totally. the success he's had. I, I think that's uh, unquestioned now. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I guess as the good news is that it's not Boston, <laughs> and I would love to see Denver just win it because it's first time. Yeah, you know, they've ever done it. Though Jim, it would also be a cool story for Jimmy for Butler. Jimmy Butler, yeah. I mean, this is the first title for there. all these guys. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think there's a yeah besides KCP. I don't think there's a single guy on that team that's won a title. Yeah, actually, there's a crazy stat that I saw on Twitter that this is the first time since like 2008 that there the finals is not going to feature a player who was on the Spurs roster at some point in their career. <laughs> Oh, and it would have been if Derek White made it. It would have if, De- if Boston oh made it. God. It would have been Derek White what a who would have continued that thing. streak. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now it makes you feel really good. That makes me feel um, good. Yeah. The, there's no one on the, the Heat though. Those on the Spurs. That's interesting. No. Huh. None of these. None of these guys made made the the cutoff yeah. for Greg Popovich. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah. And then as far as titles go, guys, Kyle Lowry has a title on the Heat, so I guess he's the only one there that, yeah, actually has a championship, but the rest of the guys don't. So mm-hmm. it's just a, a big deal for either team. I mean, someone's going to, yeah, half of these guys are going to come out with a title that's well-deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, I don't have anything against the Heat, so I'm just going to say I, I'm just excited to watch the series. I, I don't, I'm not going to be rooting for either side um yeah which is gonna be an interesting experience that usually there is a team that i i do like more than another i don't really feel that way about either of these teams i I like both of them so whatever happens i'm i'm just excited to see a good series good good hardcore basketball fan series yeah this kind of feels like Suns versus bucks the other this like few years ago that's true there was yeah there wasn't a team that i actually despised nor was there a team that i actually liked but i was by by the middle of it, I was kind of rooting for Giannis. Yeah, um, was, I think it's only because they went down two zero too. I was like, I want to see a comeback. Yeah, I, I might have thought the opposite if the Bucks went up two zero, but yeah, that was that was one where yeah, I didn't really have a have a horse in that one. Yeah. So what are you calling it? What's your what's your number here in terms oh, of games? Oh God, it feels so <laughs> bad to bet against the Heat anymore. But like the Magic's got to stop. Like the Cinderella story. The Cinderella team in March Madness never wins the championship. They always make it to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. This is the equivalent here. This is the end of the road. Nuggets yep. are Nuggets in five. Nuggets in five. I'm going Nuggets in five too. I'll give Miami game four or game or game four or game three. Probably game three. They'll come back. I think the NBA Finals gives them a few two days rest when they fly back to yeah. Miami. They'll go home. They'll take in some sunshine. Photosynthesis <laughs> will do its work. <laughs> Gotta and, love uh, those and plants. Yeah, and they'll love and they'll win game three. And then after that, it's just a done deal. Um, yeah, five games. Denver wins right. it. Jokic takes home Finals MVP and mm-hmm. uh, completes the storyline for himself. Yeah. My how, and, how uh, many? Uh, how many triple doubles is Jokic gonna have in this series? He's at eight already this postseason, which is a record. Woo. Past half world. his games have half his games have over, a little bit over half his games have been triple doubles then uh wow. yeah so they had it's uh four four five minnesota six and six or no four five and six so that's over half 
Yeah. Over half his games have been triple doubles. Oh man, I think he's got if this goes five games, three of those are gonna be triple doubles. So he'll end with eleven triple doubles in a postseason. Yeah. This man's got yeah. it in him. Dude's, <laughs> dude's insane. He's Best well rested. In the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he's yeah, just he's been, been in uh, Serbia, like watching his friend race horses or some crap. Like <laughs> that's insane. That's got to be I like just, a 20 hour flight. It's just so hard for me to understand how you can be this good at basketball without really giving a crap. You know, <laughs> like it doesn't like I just don't understand how he's as good as he is. Like he's just yeah, a savant. Like I don't understand. Like other guys, it seems like you got to be in the gym, like you know, four a.m. You know, like studying film, like all day, like devoting everything to basketball. It just seems like he almost considers it a hobby at some points. It's like <laughs> yeah. almost, it's almost annoying. You know how like nonchalant he is about how good he is at basketball. And the thing is, like his game is not the type of game that you can come out of the just out of the womb with. Like no, you know you. Like he he's so savvy. Like there's and he's such a he's he's a solid shooter too, and he's got some some nifty moves in the post. Like the yeah. dudes who would be nonchalant would be guys like who have like John Morant's game or like early Russell Westbrook. Right. Where you're just like pure pure, pure physical athleticism. Where yeah. it's just like yeah, that's just like the way you were born. Like Blake Griffin's early days. Mm. Oh, those but, were beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like DeAndre Jordan, you're just big. Yeah. <laughs> or just, Shaq. Just yeah, big and athletic. Yeah. Dwight Howard. But, but yeah, there's no way someone just wakes up and can replicate Jokic's game. Like, yeah. No, you gotta work on <laughs> develop getting that vision, that IQ and developing those post games. He sure, makes the it, size. He makes it sound so easy for him though. Like it just comes yeah. so naturally. It's like crazy. Yeah, and here's the one last point I actually on Jokic defensively is he doesn't get a lot of credit for being a defensive stopper and in no way is he. Yeah. He's not AD, he's not Bam. No. But I think watching that Lakers series, you kind of forget that the dude is still like 7-1. He's, he's a big boy. <laughs> yeah, he's thick. He's still a big boy. Like even though he can't get up, like him just being there, just being in the paint <laughs> is 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 a lot. Like there was yeah. a couple like just plays where you could tell the Lakers hesitated to get there. Like the only guy who could break was fool's head of steam LeBron. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he could break anybody and everybody. Right. And, and he's an outlier of all outliers, but mm-hmm. like, you know, D'Angelo Russell hesitated big time. Uh, some of the Austin Reeves, some of these other guys, like there was hesitation on their oh, side. Yeah. He's just such a big body. Right. And, and he uh, never goes for the block. He just he just stands there. And it's, it's you know, in a way, a good thing because he never gets fouls. <laughs> yeah. So so I think just alone, he's he's above slightly above average defender. <laughs> I think he gets a lot of credit for that. <laughs> yeah. No, fair point. Fair point. He's just man. He's just so freaking good. Yeah. Um, final thoughts to close the podcast. Uh, we said goodbye to a few coaches, but Doc. Monty Williams, um, some new coaches just got hired. Nick Nurse going to the 76ers. Nick Nurse's mm-hmm. assistant going to um, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, this, and obviously we have Imo Doku who took over for Houston Rockets. A lot of changing of the chairs here. Um, I like the Nick Nurse hire. I think that that has potential for, for a good direction. I mean, this is just a new era of the NBA. We got new ownerships in some of these franchises, the Suns and 
a little loss of patience, I think, here with the 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and maybe there'll be more added to the list. Who knows if John Mazzell is going to survive these next few Man. weeks as a, as a Celtic coach. I mean, this my overarching question with this just kind of news in general, all these coaches taking the fall. Are, are coaches taking too much blame for a team's failure? Like, are they just too much of a scapegoat in today's NBA? Like, I, I feel like, especially in the case of Monty Williams, mm-hmm. like you got thrust upon you, Kevin Durant, and you lost, you know, two role players, and Chris Paul can't even play, and, and you expect to beat this full-fledged Nuggets team? Like and you're you're upset that you only got two games on them, and that somehow makes you not the guy worth keeping around. I just don't understand stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Budenholzer, like yeah, okay, you you lost to the Heat. The Heat are in the finals now. Like you released your coach because he couldn't beat the Heat. Well, now the Heat are the best team in the East. So like, was it really like that much of a reaction you needed to just mm-hmm. fire your coach? Like, I, I just feel like there's no, there's not enough time given to these teams to develop a consistent system with a coach and with players because everyone in today's league is so impatient to get results now, now, now. And mm-hmm. I, I don't like it, man. I, I, I think it's a terrible system. I think it's it's only going to be at the detriment of these teams. I don't think Nick Nurse is going to make a huge difference. I don't think Adrian Griffin's going to make a huge difference. I think these teams will be equally successful. Like, yeah, they're not any better than the guys they replaced. That's that's my only issue. Like, this isn't this isn't fixing anything. It's it's just a total scapegoat. Like, you know, like tech companies saying, oh, we we lost one percent of profits this quarter. So, you know, we're going to make a drastic move that we don't need to do. Yeah. See, yep. I, I kind of agree with that. And then there'll be success maybe for some of these teams. And maybe we could say it's more correlation rather than causation in terms of the changing of coaches. But yeah, I mean, you brought up the Miami heat. Look how long Eric's culture has been there. <laughs> exactly. In co- uh, culture. Consistency. Even the Denver Nuggets, uh, a smaller version mm-hmm. of that. But Mike Malone is hundred percent hung on to that job for a while. And he's built a heck of a system there. Greg Popovich um, over there in san antonio so yeah i mean are the coaches taking too much fall for the team's failure yeah i think they are sometimes Mm -hmm. most of the time probably but i think part of it is just the system of the nba it's so hard to pivot out of player contracts trade pieces it just takes so much work the easiest thing to change has always been your head coach as long as as an owner you're willing to write another check (laughs) <laughs> you can easily swap out your coach and the market is has no shortage of talented <laughs> coaches so it is the fault of the ecosystem itself and unfortunately i do think coaches take a fall because of that yeah. especially in cases like the suns where i don't think any of us thought monty williams should have been fired i don't think any no. serious nba observer or fan but it's a new ownership group and <sighs> you've you've traded for kevin durant you traded assets away there's no refund policies on <laughs> trades like that. No, there's uh, not. There, yep. You you gave DeAndre Aiden a big contract, and there's no going back from that. And if you want out of it, you're gonna have to come up with a complex trade with a few other teams 
Um, but you know, if you can't do that work, you don't want to do that work, but you need a change. Monty Williams was the easiest <sighs> one to make. I think they're going to regret that so badly. Like you won't know because like, Oh, you never know how Monty Williams would have done. There's no way in hell a guy like, like, like one of the finalists is Frank Vogel. Like Frank Vogel's <laughs> not going to do better than Monty Williams. Like there's just no way. Monty Williams has proved to be a great coach. The Suns team made the finals once. It's made this conference finals once. They're a great team coached by a great coach. And now they're not. So it's like, yeah, okay. I guess we're going to blame Monty Williams for Chris Paul getting hurt and DeAndre <laughs> Ayton being a prima donna. Like, yeah, I just, it's, it's ridiculous, man. Like, yeah, you got to just ride it out. Like you have a good team. They have a chance at a title. Only one team can win it every year. There's no team that's just heads and shoulders better than the other teams that a coach is going to make the difference. Like it's yeah. competitive. So you just got to roll it back, be consistent. And one of these years, it'll, it'll be yours more likely than not. Yeah. It just comes down to those few percentage points. You just never know. Team goes cold from three and it gives you your opportunity to sneak in there and take it. Um, as far as the draft lottery, Man, I saw this coming from Sorry, a bud. mile away. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, I want to see this kid just go somewhere random. Not, not, not because I want things to go bad for him, but I just, I just want to see the NBA. I want to see a freaking Charlotte Hornets dynasty rise. Like that would be <laughs> you and nobody. <laughs> just something random. I just want something random to happen. And our the Blazers to to get him, but Blazers have been cool. They it were just close, seemed so just, close. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed way too good to be true. But it's true. The Spurs <laughs> ended up getting that pick, and I just as soon as I don't, I just saw it coming. I was like, "This, it's gonna be the Spurs. You're gonna get this <laughs> thing." And I don't know if it's conspiracy or not. It hell really does feel like it, but there's you know that's all it is is a feeling. Yeah. I mean, the Spurs obviously did have a good chance of getting it. Mm -hmm. um, but for it to just fall to them seems like the greatest thing for the league. But to me personally, it seems like the most annoying thing ever. And, <laughs> I, and Greg Popovich, we're going to see him coach all the way until he's 90 years old. <laughs> and, and ESPN, my God, is going to be filled with just Tim Duncan, Model uh -huh. Ginobili, so Tony many Parker, comparisons. Bruce, yep. <laughs> just nostalgic piece after piece all summer long. <laughs> Comparison to, oh, I don't yep. want to see it, but I'm yep. going to have to best French it. player since Tony Parker, best Spurs big man since Tim Duncan. Oh, oh my man. Lord. My if least favorite. They're going to they're going to say he's Tony Parker and Tim Duncan combined. <laughs> I know. I just I just, every night, I just can't, every night on national TV, there's going to be some stupid stat of like what Tim Duncan did in his 15th game and the NBA versus what Victor Wimbenyama is doing. <laughs> I'm just going to keep oh, getting reminded of the core of and the core players that just gave me nightmares as an NBA fan in the mid-2000s. I thought I was, I thought it, I was. I thought I never would have to hear about these guys ever again, especially because they're not huge media dudes. Yeah. But now... All now you have the biggest sensation like, since LeBron. <laughs> yeah, now it seems like I'm going to be hearing about these guys for the next 15 years alongside this new up-and-coming star. <laughs> this is going to be crazy. How many, <laughs> how many nationally televised games do the Spurs get next year? 
Oh, I, they got him. I mean, do you remember how many games the Pelicans got when oh they drafted my Zion? And they didn't even, <laughs> they didn't even play at all. Like most of them, they didn't even play. Yeah, they got like some... they got like thirty national games though. Yeah, there were some ridiculous Pelicans versus like the Houston Rockets oh. on national TV. Like <laughs> terrible. We're gonna get it. Yeah, we're gonna get a good portion. I mean, everybody wants I to think see this guy. It's gotta be on par with Zion, though. You're right. Like we'll probably mm-hmm. get at least thirty national Victor Wembanyama games. Yeah, and hey, I, I'm 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 excited for it. You know, the kid yeah. looks healthy. He looks good. Just Zion, gotta make it already... through the summer, man. <laughs> <sighs> I know. Just hang on through the summer. Hopefully he goes, comes out for just like one or two games during summer ball and do, does the summer league thing. But maybe I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. But I mean, I'm excited to see some of these games. Yeah. I don't think the Spurs are still going to be v- that good at all. Oh, no, um, I agree. I, I, I mean, even the Cavs, LeBron's first year, they still only won like 33 games or something like that. So that's the ceiling, honestly. Like this Spurs team is awful. Yeah, like I think there's, 30 games would be a huge win for them. There's like no there's no there's no pieces that seem to fit together. With oh, what no, they it's have. oh, it's a huge mess. It's just it was yeah. designed to lose. Yeah, you got I don't even know who you really keep out of that team. Like Keldon Johnson, Keldon Johnson. I don't I mean, even him, you might just like trade him before you have to actually pay him any decent dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what they're going to do, but it's it's they got a hell of a head start now. Yeah. <laughs> Rebuild yeah. has begun. Yeah, I think out of everybody else, the Hornets going number two is is interesting. But I mean, I think two and three and anything else, you kind of just get to the standard questions of like, how good are these guys? And we might not really know the answer to that until a few years. Like none of these guys yeah. really, to me, seem to jump off jump off the page no you're not not a, 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 not a scoot henderson or a brandon miller guy not really yeah oh, all right. yeah uh, scoot, okay. scoot, scoot seems pretty good yeah i don't know yeah i don't know what to say much about those guys but they don't yeah. i'm nothing really impresses me about them it the blazers at number three is interesting in terms of like what that means for them as a yeah. franchise and whether they trade that pick they, they got to man. They they gotta get pieces around Dame now. Like you can't draft another Shaden Sharp, you know. Yeah. Like a project guy, you can't do that. You gotta trade it. Yeah, I think you go you go and you you keep an eye on that Jalen Brown situation. Mm. Maybe maybe there's a move to be made there. You gotta give a lot, I think, still. But yeah, <laughs> keep an eye on the Atlanta Hawks. See what pieces are gonna be up for sale there potentially toronto raptors like bradley beal there's, there's bradley beal i think there's 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 some moves potentially to be made yep. uh the other picks to me are just seem pretty forgetful yeah. i don't know and magic the magic get uh number six and number 11 and we saw there they look pretty good at the end of the season they were starting to get string some wins together um mm-hmm. so that young roster is, is starting to come together and so they'll add a few more young pieces there i yeah. mean they're, they're gonna have a nice deep squad Yep. The other one is the Chicago Bulls at number 11, talking about teams to keep an eye on in terms of, you know, oh, putting no. things the on magic, clearance. The Magic have that pick oh, in the Vucevic trade. That. Yeah. Oh, never mind then. I was going to say the Bulls would probably look to, to maybe move nope. that or move up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, magic, got magic got two, though. Magic gets two. That, that could be interesting. 
yeah, potentially move up or something. I don't know. Move up or um, trade for a star player. Package those two yeah. picks together. Yeah. I don't I don't if I'm the magic, I'm not sure I would make that make that run. I think I'm I wait really? out the the Boston 76ers. Um, There's always gonna be teams that are good. You gotta you yeah. gotta get it going. Yeah, you got you gotta wait till you're one of those teams. Oh, you though, gotta get to... butts and seats, man. You gotta get butts <laughs> and seats. Too. You gotta trade yeah. these two picks and you know, I don't know, Wendell Carter Jr. for like yep. something big, man. Something big. You shop Carter Jr. and Cole Anthony or something. Yeah, yeah, because they, they had a lot of like good young guys. You know, you could you could turn that into a star player. Put them with Paolo and Markel and the Wagner Bros. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wagner. <laughs> guys. I mean, you got Markel Fultz who really came alive at the yeah, end of the year. Yeah, I'm I'm sure really Markel need... Fultz, man. I'm really excited for that kid next year. He's really starting to look like a good player finally. Yeah, I like him too. Um, yeah, draft lottery. This that's all I got. I mean, yeah, that's about how it. it plays out. Just in, Spurs in getting Wemby, man. That's gonna be crazy. <laughs> that's gonna be huge. It's gonna be huge. Let's see how they put that roster together. I mean, there's like already a couple pieces out there that the Spurs should just sit them out a bunch of games and tank again this year. <laughs> just to uh, the roster, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like Greg Popovich has probably got an itch to him that he wants to see what victor can do out there oh, yeah. to win some games yeah for sure at least for the first half of the season yeah mm-hmm. well that that's all we got for today and uh you know we'll keep breaking this down and i'm excited for the nba finals to to, yes. to kick off and uh see if the miami heat can continue some of that magic they started this year <laughs> so exciting have a good week everyone